episode of the Skip Meetings podcast. I'm Miguel Neves, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Skip Meetings. For this episode, I have the opportunity to speak with Matthias Sonnerman, the Senior Director of Events at SAP. And in our conversation, we start by talking about how events used to be more logistics-driven, and the COVID pandemic really forced events to look at technology and virtual as an asset rather than a checkbox. We also talk about AI and how it's driving event engagement, and that is very exciting for Matthias. He's looking to increase the value of every touchpoint at events, and he talks about creating a target audience of one. He talks about how giving attendees choice is so important when we think about the future of events. And he talks about breaking out from silos and how every event professional really, when they understand the overall event strategy, then they can do much more than they can if they don't. And we talk about how events are so important because brands and companies are looking for moments of emotion. And finally, Matthias shares some of his thoughts about dealing with stress, how he deals with it personally, but also how he's helped his organization and the people that work in this organization deal with stress better. I hope you enjoy this episode and don't forget to check out the other episodes of the Skiff Meetings podcast. Travel Portland presents a meditation for meeting planners. Close your eyes and picture your conference in Portland, Oregon. Your budget is totally under control. With no sales tax, you've saved thousands, which you spend on a group dinner at one of Portland's incredible restaurants. The food, delicious. Your attendees, delighted. And the glory, all yours. Portland, yours to find, yours to share. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Skiff Meetings podcast. I'm delighted that you're here listening with us. And today joining us is Matthias Sonnerman, the Senior Director of Events at SAP. Matthias, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Matthias, we've known each other for, I think, something like 10 years, maybe eight years, something like that, I think, through yeah, our... Yeah, yeah. Um, participation in the ECM summer school. I think that was where we, we connected. Um, but I'd love you to share just your journey as an event professional. And I'd love you to start from the point of where you first kind of met events or understood events and kind of tell us a little bit about how your career evolved from that point. Mm. Um, I think my first interaction with events was when I was working in an agency and it was an, an agency group with different marketing disciplines. And I started my career as a consultant for B2B marketing communication. So especially sales focused, right? So as a German marketer uh, in an agency, usually work with the automotive industry. And, you know, we had several clients from the German automotives and we did like sales support, brochures, workshops, blah, 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 all of that kind of stuff. Even some, some classical marketing, like advertising and so on. Um, but part of it was, since we were looking at holistic marketing um, programs, were incentives, right? And this agency group also had an events piece branch to it. And that was my first encounter when I started to work with the colleagues who, as part of a program for a client, they were looking at the um, at the incentive piece, or when an event or the incentive were at the center of what they were doing, then we would probably sometimes help with communication, writing 
invitation letters and you know doing a little campaign around the events that was my first encounter and i found and that's probably interesting enough you know when i looked at it oh my god that's something i'd never want to do but okay then, tell us more <laughs> yeah i found it like oh, these guys were always so stressed right they were working day and night they were you know calling customers on the phone receiving faxes yes it was still fax times and put it all in the lists and you know they were and and went on site and i felt like oh my god this must be so stressful um but then i mean of course you get in closer touch with it right and then as soon as i um, was actually participating in the first event on site myself it opened up like a whole new world to me and I thought, oh, oh my God, like you can have such an impact. You can make such an impression on people, you know, with the classical marketing programs that I was working on before. I could never do that. I could never create these emotions with people like, you know, happy or angry, right? Depending on how well you do the job. And then that caught me. So I, from hating it, I went to loving it and stayed with it. Very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. And and so tell us a little bit more about kind of the evolution or your career from, from this point onwards. Uh, yeah, I started, um, well, I, I started an agency. I stayed in that agency group, just went to um, the event side of it and um, started with individual, like supporting larger programs and, and projects to then owning my own larger projects um, as, you know, the, the agency representative with a customer, um, onto becoming a key account manager for um, one or two of these of these customers, and, and looking at you know portfolios of um, of events and entire programs. Um, after a couple of years, uh, I switched sides and um, went to into a you know, a company, um, corporate customer, uh, and started to work in the auto, in the IT industry for a uh, an IT company called SAS. Um, they were their European headquarters were in Heidelberg in in Germany, so that was like an easy commute for me. And but it showed me the the different side of things, right? Whereas in an agency, you're looking at fulfilling customer needs mainly, like a customer drives the strategy and tells you, like you know, we have this and this content, but you know, here's here's how we want you to execute um, the program. Um, it, you know, switching the sides meant that I had to focus on like the other side of the things that looked so easy from an agency, agency perspective, right? But understanding what is it that we want to tell? How do we want to get this across? What is the, like, how do we get the budget to do that, et cetera, was really, really interesting. And after a couple of years with um, this IT industry, I switched and went to, to SAP, you know, a larger uh, corporate um in germany and active worldwide and um you know again built my career there from again like leading portions uh, of events to um leading the large programs that sap runs um sapphire TechEd, um and others to leading the team that led those programs to now um looking at standardization of events um, holistically, like a long journey, like a, <laughs> I hate to say, but it's long, I think more than 20 years uh, of, of career in like five minutes. That's really impressive. Well, thank you for sharing that. And so your current role at the moment is more overseeing people that are overseeing these large events, if you will. Um, 
Not exactly. Um, SAP is a very diverse company, right? So um, consisting of like diverse meaning in the sense of not necessarily super centrally driven. So SAP has a number of board areas, departments, et cetera, and also coming with that, a number of different events teams and marketing teams that execute events. So my role is now to look at how do we harmonize that? How do we, um, how do we set standards so that from a customer perspective, SAP um, appears as a consistent experience, regardless of who and where um, is planning or executing um, an event. That's a relatively new function. Um, and you know, we talked already in a, in a previous uh, conversation around building this so-called center of excellence um, that's supposed to drive this consistency um, across the company. So in short, like not involved in executing, planning and executing programs, involved in driving consistent planning and execution and outcomes for events. Would it be uh, fair to call that a sort of a blend between kind of a brand policing kind of element with also the strategic meetings management element of standardizing meetings across the company? Um, yes, the latter piece, yes. The first one, policing, um, no, but that's driven, I think, mainly by the, by the company culture. Companies are different. This one, as I said, is relatively diverse. So it's more often like, uh, you know, um, trying to gain um, the buy-in, the understanding of the different, the different teams, uh, aligning them um, towards a common goal. Um, so, you know, I've learned a lot about, I think, uh, how, how politicians work and how politics work um, <laughs> more than, than in the past. And do you see yourself as, as an event professional still with, with, you know, with your current role, or do you see yourself as more of like a technology professional because of the parent company being a technology company? Definitely more event professional, um, but tending, trending towards more becoming of becoming a, a holistic marketeer because um, I feel like, but I think we'll get to that at a later stage in this conversation as well. Um, events are evolving out of their silo currently. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, let's, let's go there now. I mean, I'm happy to mm -hmm. jump all over the place wherever the conversation goes. So. <laughs> You see yourself yep. as event marketing, you see events kind of coming out of their shell in a way. Tell us more, like, do you have a, a kind of a theory, your own theory about this? Or are you kind of picking up on, on different senses? What's giving you that feeling? I think that um, events used to be, and that's, I think, based on my personal observations, but um, also learned in many, many conversations that I had with, with peers and colleagues around the world. Um, events used to be more logistics driven, mostly logistics driven. Um, as I said, like, you know, from, from my agency times, you know, you're told like, this is, this is what's happening. And then you can get a little creative in, in how you want to get that across and how you build um, the logistics around it and how, you know, where you do it, et cetera. Um, but it's all, you know, very much focused on getting people from A to B, creating a great experience for, for them at that moment in time. Um, 
I think the pandemic in this case helped to catalyze the evolution of events because it forced, and that's, I think that was one of the driving factors. It forced events to more look at technology and virtual as an asset rather than just a checkbox. So to give a practical example, in the past, the virtual program or virtual piece of a program used to be, okay, we will stream the keynote or even worse, we will record the keynote and we'll put it on a, a company repository that people can sign up to and, and look, to the, look at the recording if they didn't have the time to attend the keynote. Um, now in the pandemic, virtual became the program. And that opened up a whole new perspective on events for I think the majority of event planners and event professionals. And with that, they, you know, events suddenly became part of um, a virtual or technology driven customer journey. All of the other marketing tactics were already there. Like you could see social media was on, you know, has been on the rise for, for years now and talking to customers, reaching customers into communication channels, et cetera, in social media had already happened for a number of years. Classical advertising was happening on screen, in the web, in social media, et cetera. Like wherever you look at all the other marketing tactics, they were already technology embedded. Events, not so much. Now they became technology embedded and suddenly, you know, it was much easier to integrate an event into a holistic customer journey and the expectation for companies to do so and create this seamless experience from, hey, customer, you just learned about our name. <clears throat> now, we'll show you what we, what we sell on our website. Now you can you know, talk to an expert if you book a meeting online um, to now we'll get you to our event to talk in person and understand more and maybe bring the team together to discuss how we can solve your problem to later on, okay, you know, here's a signing of a contract and here's renewals and, and all of this. Now events became, had the chance of becoming much more seamlessly integrated into that. And I think that's the biggest change that I've seen. And that's why just looking at the logistics of a single event is not going to be enough in the future. We need to take a look at and understanding where does a customer come from? Where does the company want the customer to go? And how can this event that is no longer a standalone thing help advance people through this journey? Very interesting. You, you, you frame that very much as in a client event kind of format. Do you feel that the same thing applies to other types of events, internal events, association events, other things like that? Um, yes, because like people as a person, you don't, and as a participant, you don't really make the difference, right? You're, you can be at an event and you are a customer and you can go to an event and you are an employee, but you're still a person, right? And if the, the experiences that you make at one of those events where it is very seamlessly integrated and there's follow-up like pre-communication, follow-up communication and action, and the event is just part of the journey that sticks with you personally. So the, your expectations change. Um, 
So as most of the events that we do, of course, are customer related. Um, <clears throat> I think that other events and disciplines um, may not be necessarily be at the forefront because you know customer events are the core of what we do. Um, but we'll have to follow if they want to be successful continuously and, and sustainably. Interesting. And this is you know this is very much talking to that that element of event marketing, right? And, and that kind of transition into event marketing. We've been kind of covering a lot of trends uh, and event marketers essentially kind of being forced or being very kind of uh, bullish on events. This idea that with a lot of also kind of quite invasive digital technology being more limited, more privacy concerns, events being a high touch uh, format, uh, being more attractive to marketers. Is that also part of the equation? And um, I, I kind of get the sense that events, because they were more logistics and because they're more unique and more kind of physically uh, you know, active and you have to move things around, they're a little harder to standardize. But at the same time, I kind of see that that is their magic and their appeal in a way. Is, is, it, is it kind of a, the winning tactic or the winning strategy for marketers going forward? Or has it always been there and we're just kind of refining it to be even better now and even more kind of data points and making it more streamlined, if you will? Definitely <clears throat> the latter one. Um, I think the importance of events is not going to shrink. Instead, I think it's going to be, it, they, they're going to become even more important. I think they already are than they were. You know, Let's use the pandemic as kind of a great differentiator. Um, because in my perspective, they used to be more in a silo, and I'm not saying they were entirely in a silo, but they were looked at a special, like separate tactic that would talk to people in person. Um, they've now become just more versatile and more integrated. However, the core of it, like, you know, the thing that, that made me want to do events, like the emotion, the impact that you can make, um, the human connection, the engagement, um, those are things that just events can create. And if you integrate those events better in, with other tactics and into a customer journey, they will become even more powerful and will contribute more to the entire journey than as just something that is happening at one moment in time. What about measuring the success of these events? Because you, you mentioned this emotion. Uh, I've heard some people, you know, ROI is a big term in the industry, return on investment. There's also this kind of return mm. on emotion. When mm. you when you when an event is successful in, in, in kind of your way of seeing it, are there things that you're looking for from the people attending or any other signs that you that kind of tell you that the event was successful? Or are you just waiting for a more kind of factual data measurement to kind of figure that out? I don't think there's a contradiction necessarily. Okay, um, so it's not either or, right? It's maybe and. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So um, the different kinds of events that we have, you know, drive different drive reaching different goals, or those events even have you know different goals. So, for instance, we have events that are aiming at you know growing the pipeline or closing deals or educating people um, or just you know broadening the broadening the reach of 
of the brand, for example. Now, all of these goals <clears throat> can be broken down into um, individual KPIs that contribute to those goals. And each of those KPIs can be translated into action that you do at an event um, that drive a certain emotion um, with, a, with a participant and you know, contribute, contribute to the goal. Um, and you can, like, we've not trimmed it down to the very, to the very end, uh, but I think we're on a path <laughs> towards that. Um, so you can, you can actually drill down to what are the things, what are the experiences that we need to create or want to create that appeal to the audience that we're trying to attract and then have at the event. And at the same time, uh, you know, support the goals that we want to reach. So, Whereas, you know, joy, feeling, um, the feeling of joy at an event or something that I fancy also very much like the feeling of belonging, you know, that makes events successful. They are hard to measure, um, but I think you can just, for instance, ask people. So there's a way of, you know, them telling you, uh, you know, I've, I've, I enjoy being at this event. I feel belonging, but you can also, you can also look at, you know, post-event behavior. How are they? talking about the company about the event how are they interacting with the company with the event are they doing the things that show that they've been maybe become more loyal or you know positive towards the brand or a certain product etc cetera, etc cetera. so there are ways to to measure it um and i think you know we'll have more ways of measuring it even better in the future what about looking back at your kind of career are there any events that stand out for you as ones that you think were particularly successful or, you know, had a real impact on you? And, and if you could, you know, if you have any that you can share, if you could explain kind of why you think that is or what gave you that, that kind of impression. Hmm. Um, Sapphire, SAP Sapphire 2010, um, I think was for me, and I'm just thinking that it, it was it was a, a the first connected hybrid event that I was honored to run. It was a program <clears throat> that was happening simultaneously in Frankfurt in Europe, in Orlando in the United States. Um, we created an overlapping agenda, and we shared keynotes that were live on stage in Germany or in the US and then streamed to the other side of the world. Um, and that in 2010 was like a, you know, a really, I would say, ambitious undertaking. Um, like the, the, the bandwidth and the technology that we currently have wasn't that easily to acquire. Like we used satellite technology to stream. Um, that was really interesting, but it, it was a huge success. And um, the the energy between teams and continents running an event simultaneously at the same time was just amazing. Um, I don't think I've necessarily ever seen a team so focused, so dedicated, so engaged, so um, happy to run something so um, innovative at, you know, 14, yeah, almost 14 years ago now. So yeah, that was, 
that was a, a cool experience. And I, I think there may, may, may still be um, documentaries of, of and, you know, making offs um, uh, of that available, I think on YouTube or so. That was really, really cool. Interesting. So let's talk a little bit about technology. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, SAP being a technology company, you've mentioned technology quite a few times in, in your event. Um, what's your general approach to technology when it comes to events? Is it something that you, you get really involved in? And how do you think about technology at your events or at the events that you run in the past? But I know you're, you're kind of doing a lot of other things now. Mm -hmm. um, I see technology as a as as a great tool and enabler um like there's there's technology that helps you drive the basic bread and butter um of of an event right so registration technology um for example um but there's more um sophisticated technology as well um that helps you drive kind of you know what makes events really special so um engagement inclusion all of these kinds of stuff and i think with the um with the rise of ai right now we're just at the start of you know starting to understand what the possibilities of technology will be in the future and how we can use that to make positive impacts with events are there any particular pieces of event related technology that you're excited about or that you're kind of you know, playing with or, or experimenting with that you'd like to talk about or or if we want to jump on AI, that's fine too, but I didn't want to just jump on AI necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, I think, yeah, the, the I've now spent more more time to think about AI than I have at maybe evolving other kinds of technology. I mean, of course, there are, you know, this hybrid uh, technology of, you know, including webcasts, for instance, into an, an event agenda in hybrid meetings where some people are in the room and some are remote. So all of these things are, you know, really cool, but, you know, have been practiced and, and now integrated over the last three or four years pretty well, I feel. Um, AI is really you know, can be a game changer uh, in many ways. And I think in, in ways that are, um, that, that we maybe don't even understand yet. Um, if I can talk a little bit about um, AI, um, just in, in end of last year, October, I think last year, um, I was in, a, um, in, a, in an event format, the so-called EBX lab run by the German Convention Bureau and, the Fraunhofer Institute <clears throat> to basically evaluate AI and come to pretty, you know, um, tangible use cases of AI for events specifically in the future. Um, and it was really like we spent two days in in workshops, and um, the German Convention Bureau is just now published a white paper around this, about the outcomes of, the, of this workshop. But just by talking to each other and starting to brainstorm a little bit around what, what the options of AI are, they became so breathtaking and, and almost endless. But we focused on um, things that really drive event success, and that was engagement. 
uh, where we feel when people feel engaged, when we when we drive the right engagement, that drives event successes. Um, and when you start to think about how AI can help drive that engagement, you can look at every touch point, for instance, that a customer or a person has with an event, and you can increase the value of that with AI immensely. So, for instance, <clears throat> when you um, I think the first touch point that you have with an event is that you learn about an event happening or you get invited to an event. With AI, <clears throat> there's a way to personalize that very much. So in the past, we used to send, I don't know, faxes, then emails, now invites through social media. Now imagine if, you're, if you want to get invited, you certainly, you probably have a preference how you want to be talked to or invited to an event by somebody. Now, AI will probably allow us to reach every single person in the way where and when they want to be reached in their preferred channel. So the same invite information, for instance, can be going out to person A via an email and versus, you know, person B via maybe, I don't know, a direct message in social media, for example. In, written in a way um, in their language in their in the way that they want to receive or, or you know like to receive information in you know in the in the slang maybe if you want and you can drive that to like i'm getting to the event and um how do how do i want to for instance consume content um keynotes just as an example <clears throat> used to be and still are, you know, big rooms with somebody on stage who's telling a story. Um, and you have an audience sitting there and listening to that uh, and maybe allowed to ask questions. Um, but is that the way that everybody wants to consume the content? Probably not. So if the content were available, let's say in a content cloud, but you can distribute that content to every single individual in the way that they would like to learn about their content, this is going to be made available and possible through AI. And I think that's a huge step for events, for content consumption, for engagement. Like you can think about every single step along the way, the customer journey at an event, after the event, where AI can really make this relevant for this individual person, which will ultimately lead to Defining, being able for companies and event planners to create target audiences of one. So every single person will be able to consume and experience an event in their very special individual way. And I think that is, you know, a huge chance for events mixed with the emotions that events can, can provoke and, you know, can give. Um, to have a huge impact and even drive engagement much further than what we see today. Very interesting vision of, use, of using AI. Um, a couple of things come to mind when you're saying that. One is the, the creating a target audience of one. I really like that expression. But is there a danger there that we are then not creating or moving away from shared experiences? Because if everybody wants to consume content or engage or interact in different ways, then we may be kind of reducing the opportunities for those moments 
Uh, I'm not a big fan of, you know, dark rooms and keynotes necessarily, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they, they do sort of force us into one physical space and then serendipity happens and things like that. And you do have, you know, some of the magic of events tends to happen because you are sometimes forced a little bit out of your comfort zone, if you will. Is there a danger that, that that's not going to happen because everybody can choose how and when they want to interact with the content? I think choice is the right word. Um, people make a deliberate choice to go to an event for several reasons. <clears throat> and you know, one of the reasons why people go to an event is because they want to be together with others. And you know, the feeling of belonging really makes people it makes events um, successful. So as you said, choice is the right word. Um, at an event, I have the possibility of interacting with others. I may not always want to, but in the future, I can have the choice. So I'll not miss anything. Like I could theoretically go to an event and just um, and, and be with people all day and still get all the information that I need because I say, like I don't want the key. I don't want to sit in the keynote. I'd rather mingle with others. I just love to get the content, and I'd love to get the content in way X, Y, Z at this point in time, and I'll get it. So I'm not missing anything, but I can really focus on experiencing experiencing the event in the way that I want, and that's the big difference. So I think we're not. We're not creating a vision where everybody sits somewhere with like their goggles on and, um, you know, consuming content through um, through VR lenses and stuff and stuff like that. Like you know, individual consumption. Um, we will continue to see people interacting with each other, mingling with it, with each other, and like the importance of coming together and shared, you know, creating and and experiencing sh shared experiences has grown. <clears throat> um, over the past years, and especially through the pandemic. Um, but again, I think the what, what AI is going to enable is that choice. Like I can choose when, who to interact with, um, but I'm not going to be necessarily missing out on stuff that I want to get. Makes sense. Are you already experimenting with AI? I mean, or your teams in any way that, that you can share? Um, we are at the very at very early stages right now, and as I said, yeah, we, we just started the brainstorming actually together with with representatives from other you know agencies, venues, other corporates um, to to imagine what what it could be. Um, I can't share like what exactly it is that we're looking at um, in terms of AI for for this year, um, but I think we're looking more at a at a time frame of maybe two years or so, uh, realistically, especially from a European point of view, where, you know, like data regulation, et cetera, is, a, um, is different than in other parts of the world until we can see uh, a broader use at large events. Makes sense. Are there any other innovations or trends um, apart from AI that, that you're kind of excited about or that you see a, a really good use for in, in the near future? Um, I think just, you know, what, what I mentioned before, like the integration, the close integration of events into the entire customer journey and, you know, the marketing tactics um, can drive a larger confidence of events too. Um, 
And maybe the point of view that I have here is not necessarily representative for all companies uh, or all event planners. But as I said in the beginning, like usually, um, or in the past, event planners were just handed a briefing to maybe be creative about the execution, but didn't really have necessarily have that seat at the table when it came to, okay, why are we doing an event? Um, with a closer integration, we now have a seat at the table and this seat is growing um, because events are such an important tactic. And I think what comes with that is, or can come with it. And I think maybe that's a deliberate choice of everybody or, um, or companies um, or agencies or others, but I see it happening, um, that growing confidence and that growth in diversifying what, what, what events do and you know, what events can contribute. So the blend of um, individual <clears throat> pieces of um, you know, event planning or companies. So um, just to be precise, you know, I think that's a little bit easier than to understand what I mean. Like I met somebody from an AV company last year, but that person was interested, like they, they usually just bring the sound and the light um, to, based on a very specific briefing, like we need X, we need 5,000 lamps of this making and, you know, hang in there and blah. And so they were purely focused on logistics. But this person had just, you know, taken over the business together with her brother. She was in her mid twenties, but she was asking questions about event strategy. I wanted to understand all of that. And she said, Look, if I understand more about the strategy of what people want to reach with events, I can much better serve my customer and I can much better do a service and I can much better use the equipment that I have because I can tell them, like, look, if it's, if it's that what you're trying to reach, then, you know, here is what I suggest you do. And here is the material that I suggest you take to reach your goal. And I see this everywhere. Um, in events. And I think that's that's an emerging trend that's just going to contribute to even better events when people, you know, start to leave their silos and start to interconnect. So it's a it's a common theme that I see around the event industry right now, the diversification, the interest in connecting what I do and as a contribution to events with others, the understanding about that and, you know, evolving the event experience overall. That sounds very promising. You mentioned the seat at the table, and this is a kind of a recurring topic for us. Um, we've had plenty of podcast guests who have talked about, you know, getting that seat at the table and speaking the language of the C-suite and, and kind of how you get there and how you're able to maintain that. You think what you're saying is that with the events becoming more strategic and more standardized, you have a, a better chance of having that seat at the table. But is there any advice that you'd give to people that are maybe still looking to get that seat at the table, still kind of in that fight? And, and what would you say to them is, is kind of the way to get there or the way to kind of prove the value of, of that strategic value of events? I think, um, well, two things, right? <laughs> so one thing is be confident because even if you don't have a seat at the table right now, you will, you will pretty probably get it soon because the more the time goes by, the better the measurement um, that the measurement is going to be, and the more you will be able to prove the value of the event tactic as part of the overall marketing um, of the overall marketing um, 
tactics. Um, the other thing is, um, yeah, I mean, the confidence that we've seen, that, that we see evolving um, everywhere in, in this industry um, is going to affect all sorts of the businesses, right? So um, agencies, um, um, corporate companies, et cetera, they are not existing in a silo. In some companies, it may take a little longer to understand the value of events, but you know, at the same time as we're going to be able to measure it better, um, on the other hand side, the understanding of the importance is going, is going to grow. So you can have, you can certainly have that confidence on the one hand side and on the other hand side, you have security that you know you will prevail. You will be uh, successful and you have that seat at the table because on the contrary, not giving events as kind of the most emotional and most impactful marketing tactic, not giving them the seat at the table is not going to be beneficial um, for companies and their marketing success. Very interesting. Sounds, so you've... that may sound, you know, pretty uh, theoretic, but um, for more concrete advice, you know, everybody can just call me and I can talk through the individual <laughs> situations. Matthias but it's just hotline. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Call me. I'll help. Yeah. No, but I think that sounds very interesting because you're saying events are so important to the strategy that that seat is going to open up. And so it's important for professionals to just be confident of their role and of the importance of events and take that chance and really talk that language. That's what I'm hearing. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes. And just to give you one example and, you know, from, um, just the recent marketing kickoff meeting that we've had at SAP, one of the, um, one of the core goals is to create those memorable, great, um, customer and brand moments because in a world where everybody's you know confronted with floods of information in 10 second snippets it is hard to make the different the, the difference and events are by design the one thing that stick the one thing that create deep emotions so it is no wonder, I think, that at the core of what we want to do in the future, those moments um, are supposed to be designed to stand out and be even better than, you know, of course, other companies' great moments. But I found this really interesting that, you know, in in the marketing strategy, events and those marketers' corporate moments were especially mentioned. And I think it shows the importance that we as event marketers um, can bring to, to companies, um, and their success. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I think that's uh, definitely a very positive and, and a silver lining from the, from the pandemic, right? What you talked about before that idea that we, I guess, really figured out how important events are and emotions are, and, and kind of that brought it, uh, brought it forward as a silver lining really. So, um, want to just check on your kind of stress level at the moment are there any challenges that you're seeing ahead that, that are kind of making you nervous or keeping you up at night no not really <laughs> <laughs> i well, think mentioned... i have a very you no know, i have i have a very positive outlook on on events so like everything that would 
you know, keep me stressed right now, wouldn't keep me up at night is probably more related to something like a concrete business thing that's going on right now. Um, but not necessarily about, you know, pessimism for the event tactic in the future. It sounds like you're, you're feeling very positive about it. Um, you mentioned earlier, I think what was quite interesting that, that you, one of the things that really kind of pushed you away from events initially was this idea of people being really stressed. Um, and of course you've worked in all sorts of different roles around events throughout the years. Uh, do you have any advice for, for those that are, are very stressed or how have you coped with stress over the years that, that you've managed to survive and then you're here having a great conversation with us? So I think one, one thing that a strategy that worked for me personally was um, to just decide to shut down. I, but I, I think it's, uh, it's something that worked for me. I don't know if that works for everybody, but I decided in very stressful times, <clears throat> um, especially back in the agency, that at a certain point in time, I could say, look, I'm, I'll just shut down my computer now and then go home and sleep and then come back in the morning refreshed and start again like nobody's going to die if i don't send out this email tonight and i'll take my time so but that was a deliberate choice that you know for me that that worked for me i don't think it goes for everybody but i think as as event planners um or managers etc like we have a certain responsibility towards the people that work on our events so on the other side, instead of just individual choices, <clears throat> we can also change um, the environment that people work in, right? So, for instance, what what I've done, for example, in the in the past year is we've uh, started a pilot with kind of a, a co-ownership, right? So um, we have on on our team. Um, pe people working in part time and they constantly felt stressed because they need to leave at a certain point in time. They can't, they don't have the flexibility because they have, for instance, have to pick up the kids from the kindergarten like, and they have to do that at two o'clock. So they can't just get it, you know, stay on that call until 10 past two because then there's going to be a crying child and well, you, you all know what's going to happen, right? So, but that, that you know, this, this environment actually created that stress within, within you know, in these people um, that we were looking at and trying and trying to figure out in workshops with them, like how can we, how can we change that? How can, how can we create an environment that makes you less stressed? And one of the things that we found was um, dual roles, right? So two people sharing one role with very clear um, role, with very very clear rules on res responsibilities and how this responsibility would be handed over. But you know what that allowed was that one person knew okay like i'm shutting down at two o'clock but my work's not going to stop because from 1 30 to 2 every day i have this handover meeting with a colleague who's then going to take over and has the authority to make decisions and then in the morning we'd like do the next handoff or maybe in the evening and you know i'm just going to run the morning shift and the next person's going to run the afternoon shift so i think there are very um individual solutions that that we can that we can find that those i think were just two versions of stress um that that we that we looked at like me personally as a team for part-timers there's also what is really really important and that can create stress and we can very easily avoid that is inclusion right so embracing differences understanding um, of different languages people cultures 
um, that create a work environment that by default is going to create less stress because you know the job itself is stressful enough so let's work on the environment and make that and make that easier um, for everybody and you know more favorable yep all great tactics and thank you for sharing those with us because i think that's something that uh, comes up over and over again when it comes to event professionals matthias um we're coming to the end of the podcast. It's been a pleasure learning about your experience, learning about your, your view on innovation and AI and, and so many different things. So I really appreciate your time and being with us today. And I wanted to get the final question with you or ask you the final question, which is really for you to recommend someone else that we should have on the podcast to have another conversation like this. Mm -hmm. um, I have two people that I'd like to recommend. Um, one is Ben Morrison. Um, he's a neuroscientist and he's looking at engagement uh, in events. Um, I've had lots of conversations and interactions with him over the past year. And it's really impressive on how he thinks about events and people consuming events. And it's really, really always worth to have a conversation with him. Um, and then the other person that I would recommend is, you know, a fellow German, um, somebody who I've known for a number of years and we've had like a, a similar career path, but he's really more into the, um, the execution of events at larger scales. That's Simon Dauenhauer from Roche in Germany. Um, really, really great, um, energetic character um, who's looking at reinventing the way that Roche runs events in Germany, and again, you know, coming back to the theme, not just as a standalone marketing tactic, but as part of and an integrated part of the communications team. I appreciate the two recommendations. I think they're both excellent and we'll follow up on those. So thank you, Matthias. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you for being our guest on the Skiff Meetings podcast. And I wish you lots of success for the, uh, the times ahead. And hopefully we'll catch up again soon and, and learn all about how you've integrated AI and all the great things that you're working on. Thank you very much for having me again.